Welcome to the Honorable Insurance Podcast. This is a podcast of the Toscano Agency, which by the way, was founded on Bill Toscano's porch over 50 years ago while his kids are running around. Why the front porch? It's because his wife would not let him use the dining room. We're still family owned, operated and friendly here at the Toscano Agency. You can see Bill Toscano's front porch on toscano.com. Make sure you check it out. Also check out the webinar library while you are there too. Today, we're talking about the art of negotiation. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Good morning, Dana. It's been forever. I know. Hi, Nicole. It's so great to see you, talk to you, be with you again. I can't yes. believe it's been so long. Happy June, everybody. It's right. Nice. For sure. You know. School's out. All my neighbors are teachers and they're all home now. And I'm like, oh, it's the time of year. I'm a teacher. <laughs> they're off for the summer. Exactly. Out, you know, they're happy. And I'm just like, oh, I have people over all the time and they drink every weeknight. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are having a ball and yeah. my nephews are pumped, you know, going swimming and paps and, mm-hmm. you know, the the excitement of summer, you know, but mm-hmm. exactly. here we are. It's yeah. felt like it was big forever coming. So I know for sure. For sure. So you just visited, you were in Florida, you visited family. Yes. You want to share? Fantastic. Yeah. My brother's there with his beautiful baby girl is about to turn two, beginning of July, Miss Charlotte. Um, so he's there. My family, my parents went down, they've had an Airbnb. They're retired. So they've had it they're down there. They're in our like fourth week now, but oh, so wow. I snuck some time. Yeah, they'll be back next weekend. But uh, I snuck some time down, for, found some time that works for everybody with my brother, especially to get down there and see him and the baby and be with the whole like immediate family. Like we were talking, we all made it to the beach for the first time, even though he's lived there and had the baby with the baby. It was hard. It's funny they live there, but he can't get to the beach, you know, with <laughs> life and things like yeah. that. So we all went and the day we were there, we said the four of us with that's all we have is my parents, my brother and myself. The last time we all went to a beach together was like 10 years ago, just like the four of us wow. like, all together. Like I've been mm-hmm. with my parents or my brother might have been with them, but the fact went all of us. So, so that was, that means a lot, you know, and it's, oh yeah. It's just life. That's what happens, you know? So, and hopefully we'll make it more often than that. And now that Charlotte's getting, you know, kind of growing into this mm-hmm. fun stage, um, I'm sure we'll be back more than that. <laughs> Definitely. Isn't it crazy how it's hard to get your immediate family together at the same mm-hmm. place at the same time, if it's not a holiday or even if it or, is a holiday, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Or a crazy family event or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Exactly. So it was just so nice to be chill on the beach and hang out and no worries, no stress, no work, and just enjoying each other's company and laughing and picking on each other. Like yep. do best. <laughs> right. That's, that's yes. what happens. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it it's great. A, something I love to share and see is, um, and Dana, I had said this to you earlier is seeing your siblings be parents. Mm. Like you look at them in a completely different way when they're parents. And I love this. I have three sisters. Two of them have children, multiple children. Um, they, they, I have four nieces total and it's just so funny to see them as a parent, especially my younger siblings. I'm like, no, you're still a baby yourself. How are you raising babies? Like, it's just 
so bizarre to watch them, but at the same time, it's heartwarming. Like very much, very much. It's so funny to me because my brother's a couple years younger. I was the older sister and, um, you know, just like any kid and I could be a brat too, but I was thought he could be a brat, you know, and Charlotte did the darndest thing. She was, had her finger up her nose. It was really cute. And he's going, get your finger out of your nose. Cause just, and she knew what he was saying and she would do it, but then like teasingly put it back to make him mad. So he got her to take it out and then she got up on his lap and she's like, hi. And right in front of his face, just stuck her finger up his nose. And he goes, you wouldn't put that finger up your nose right in front of me, wouldn't you? Oh, my god! she thought it was so funny. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was so you as a child. Like, this is you. And I thought it was so cute to watch him parent it. And, you know, she's still young and it's funny and cute at some level. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because they know what they're doing. But. I'm like, oh, they always say it comes back, right? Yep. So oh, it does. It, come back. <laughs> it does. You know, my baby sister, when she was younger, she used to throw these fits. And my parents would be like, just ignore her. Don't pay attention to her. She literally used to bang her head off of the floor, like when she was angry about something, you know, the terrible twos. And, um, she, you know, like I said, my parents are like, we got to walk out of the room pediatrician says to ignore it she's not gonna knock herself out like ignore it well doesn't one of her daughters do this now too (laughs) oh my god i know it's baby ellie all over again there that's you it comes back and that's my brother had a similar thing where he threw tantrums when he was young where he would hold his breath and he turned blue and my i mean my mom would my parents had a heart attack and the doctor or call the doctor and they're like listen It'll be okay because once once he passed out, he'll breathe again. Like like pretty much told him, let it go. It's fine. But it's really scary to watch your baby get so worked up. And he was little, like he didn't really know what he's doing. Right. Well, guess what? When Charlotte gets really worked up, she starts (gasps) to hold her breath. But because of what he did, he knows how to handle it. But he warned, you know. Uh, his girlfriend and the mother like hey that's okay I did this as a child sorry explains a lot (laughs) right but the fact that Charlotte does it when she gets worked up I'm like oh you are gonna be like your daddy (laughs) oh my gosh that is so so it is wonderful though I love seeing him as a dad Mm -hmm. it's such a cool thing you know he's a wonderful dad and like you said to see your siblings as a parent what a wonderful experience. Yeah. I'm glad to see it when I can. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we're talking about the art of negotiation. And this may seem like kind of a strange thing to talk about on the podcast when it comes to business, but I don't think so at all. So yes, we have to negotiate in our personal lives for sure, especially if you have a significant other, you're supposed to negotiate and compromise and you know do all those great things in your relationship. But the other thing that comes along with negotiation, I really think is conflict resolution. They go hand in hand. So we need to do this on a professional level and we need to do it well. A lot of us do so great in our professional lives with this, but we fall super short in our personal lives like we do for most things. We you know, treat everybody better other than our spouses and family. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. It's so backwards. Yeah. And I think too, with that, it sounds weird, but I just feel like there's so much more emotion that comes in. I feel like when you're on a work setting environment, if that's that kind of a conflict, you know, there's a professionalism to it. 
But like if you're with your family or your spouse, the emotional side can sometimes take over because they mm-hmm. know you, you know them, you know, and, and that's where when if I'm not prepared in this with my family or whatever, and my emotions take over, I'm a blubbering idiot. I'm like, I know what I'm the point I'm trying to say, and it's not coming out right. <laughs> it's not going well. Well, the you other know? thing on the personal side, that emotion comes up a lot of the time that emotion pops in for things that haven't been resolved from previous, you know, situations True. that have happened with your family. So a lot of the times we get more emotional in those personal type of negotiation or conflicts than we do professionally. I'm not saying that's always the case because in the professional sense, we can have things that aren't resolved there as well. True. Very true. Very true. You know, but it is important always to keep our emotions in check as much Mm -hmm. as we possibly can. But the biggest piece of this that I think we should start with, there's a lot of things I want to share about this, but to get started is to really know your style in a negotiation. And that can change based on what you're talking about and how important it is to you. So let's start on the personal side. Dana, are you typically a person who is going to accommodate, compromise? Are you going to be a person who like withdraws from a conversation? How are you? Are you a defeater? Do you want to collaborate? Like, what would you say your style Uh, is personally? personally. I always like to talk it out and collaborate and see, find the equal ground. And there's times, you know, there's sometimes this is the middle, like you might have some little discrepancies that you agree that, okay, you feel this way, but understanding that I always want to come to, I usually don't shut down. It'd have to be really really bad. I usually yeah. want to hear the problem, hear the issue. And then let's talk. Then I want you, then I want you to hear my side, mm-hmm. hopefully without the emotion, just an honest conversation and talk it out. And then again, if you both have a little different view, but understand each other's viewpoint, that goes a long way in, right. in the conversation. But I do know, you know, you know, sometimes it depends how I approach it. Some, you know, there's ways you, sometimes, you know, it's something's coming. Sometimes you don't. And in the heat of a moment, if it's getting thrown at you, I mean, I'll probably get a little louder than normal and that'll shut down my, my husband because he doesn't like that. So that, those are the other sides of things when you don't know what's coming that sometimes I I'm trying to be better at controlling. So that's a whole other side note. (laughs) (laughs) But like I said, the personal side is very different than the Uh professional side. Um, I can, well, it depends on the topic. Yeah. (laughs) There's there a push button part, you know, I might get really upset about. I know. So I do like to think that I'm always an active listener. I like to think that I am. Um, but in reality, I, I don't think everybody always is, especially when it's something that's a, um, you know, a, a hot issue for you or depending on how I'm being communicated to what the other person's mm-hmm. style is. If I feel like I'm being attacked and need to defend myself, well, anything that I'm preparing as, you know, an active listener is completely out the window at that point in time because I'm like dukes up, but I'm not like a confrontational person. I'm really not. I will avoid a confrontation and talk um, regularly, I'm probably a lot like your husband because I don't like it when people yell and get super loud. Mm-hmm. I start to shut down. I'm just mm-hmm. like, like I physically start to back away. Like you can see yeah. what's happening with me. Um, I don't like that. I get really uncomfortable with that type of communication style. 
personally or professionally, I've experienced it both. And Mm -hmm. like, I feel myself, nothing actually gets done or resolved because I can't like even clear, clearly think at that point in time, I'm just like, okay, I'm communicate well (laughs) like that. Nope. I got to shut down. Um, but it really, to me depends on what's going on. I think it's important as you build relationships personally and professionally that you take the time to identify the type of communicator you're dealing with. So Dana, you said, you know, sometimes you can get loud depending on the topic. I am sure that your husband is aware of that and he's Mm going to know if it's this topic or this thing we're talking about, my wife's going to get to this level super quick because she's passionate, emotional, unresolved issue from something prior, like your partners Mm -hmm. know. But that's not necessarily always what happens in the professional world. I mean, I've been in situations where we're going in to negotiate and and come to a common ground for something as a team of professionals and there's yelling and there's shouting and there's people leaving the room and nothing was done. And I'm sitting there with big old bulging eyeballs going, oh my gosh, what was that? It felt like a wrestling match, right? You know, those types of things, I don't think anyone can actually be completely prepared for. But I think there is great value in the preparation when you know you're going to be going into a conversation to negotiate or work through some conflict to try to come to common grounds that's going to work for everybody. If you can prepare the things that you see to be important, but the most important piece of that is to back it with facts, remove those emotional pieces, remove the assumptions, remove the he said, she said stuff and get down to the facts. That's the best thing to have Mm -hmm. um, in front of you. Take the time to prepare why you feel that this XYZ solution is going to work better than this over here based on factual information. That is the best way to get through a negotiation or to move through conflict. I personally do so much better if I have time to prepare. Now, we don't always have that time. Sometimes things just pop up and we need to be ready to roll. Personally, I hate that, especially when there's conflict involved. I do much better if I can have some time to think about it. Now, I can't always say, hey guys, I need a minute. Can we do this in 15 minutes from now? That's not always realistic, especially in the professional world. My husband, after eight years together, has finally figured out that I do do well like this. <laughs> I look like a deer in the headlights. Look like that's what's going on when it becomes something that's, you know, con- we ha- we're having a conflict and he'll even look at me. God love this man. He's like, hun, I know you need like 15 minutes. Let's, let's come back to the kitchen in 15 minutes and talk through that. <laughs> that's great. Otherwise that's I'm great. not so good. I'm just right. not like, I right. feel like I'm not prepared. Not that you have to have a dissertation for an oh. argument or anything like that, but You know, sometimes I just need time to collect myself. And that's not the fight or flight thing. Like, I'm not running away. I just know myself enough. I got to get my emotions in check. I got to get my thoughts together and, like, let's talk through this. So that's something I've learned through the years. How about you, Dana? Yeah, I agree. And you know what's – I actually think the conflicts that I've run in professionally have helped me personally because – Um, you know, there's been times where whether it's with a client or with a coworker or with a boss or something, when it comes out of the blue unexpectedly, um, I've had to learn, you know, I know a lot of people can get defensive and then they attack back and, oh yeah. And I, I, I really don't like to do that because I don't think that ever resolves any, but don't worry, I've done it 
in my personal life many a times because mm-hmm. I'm backed in a corner and I I got to defend myself. But right. <laughs> for some reason on the professional level, I found myself learning how to, okay, this person's angry. I really just need to listen to them right now. Just focus on what they're saying. I know I don't agree with what they're saying. Listen, listen, listen. Let them, hopefully through them blurting out and telling them the problem, like they'll start to calm down. And if I can keep my response calm and not defensive, even while still trying to prove my point, then maybe, you know, things can calm down and, you know, this can go somewhere. And I'm not saying that, you know, it it always ends beautifully, but a lot of times if that happens, it can, it can end in a very good Mm way. Um, But I I, I really do feel that way because I was, you know, I'm dealing with people that I work with and I, and I'm not saying, you know, you don't have close relationships with some of these people, but I always felt it was, it was always a little different like I share at the beginning than just your family and, and your spouse and things like that. Right. So I, I actually, I think it's helped me. And I've, I found myself, you know, with my, with people that I love dearly in my life, that if it comes to that, that I'm like, you know what, I just need to listen to what they're saying. Right. I mean, again, that, like you said, Nicole, there's certain points. It gets hard to listen. Cause my brain's saying you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm just like quiet. Shh listen, listen. So yeah, get your points across. But that but those are the times that my words don't, they really just can be befuddled. I'm like, I know. Anyway, I do think my professional life helped me get better, even in my personal life, you know, keep my emotions in check. Definitely. And you know, through this process, yes, we can prepare, we can know what we want to share, but we're also gathering information because the person we're talking with may have a better idea than us. But if we're so set in ourselves and not being open to listen or to understand maybe something they have to share as well, we're not going to grow or come to a really good solution and it's going to bubble up again. So asking open-ended questions, doing active listening, being engaged and making sure you're understanding what they're sharing with you not only shows your respect for the other party, but you guys may actually learn something and come together and have something even better as a solution for whatever it is you're trying to negotiate or resolve. So you do have the power, even though sometimes people feel powerless. Yes. um, You know, you want to make sure that you're taking the time to prepare and listen and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's important to be an active listener, have an open mm-hmm. mind. Your answer may not be the only one. Right. Exactly. So. There could be more than one answer to some, you know, solutions. Absolutely. You might feel yours is better than the others, but like you said, I've learned a lot through those things too. And I've actually taken from it. Like, you know, I like that better anyway. I'm gonna start taking that idea and that approach at this point. Listen to their perspective too. I mean, their viewpoint. Why if you end up finding out why they perceive it that way, sometimes that's really eye-opening because you're perceiving it from one way, they're looking at it from another. I think sometimes that's when it really pops open, like, wow, I was really narrow-minded. Why would not consider that? You know, and that's such a great healthy discussion in a lot of situations, actually. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Great topic, Dana. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. And I'm on the roll